Finding the right cleat can be transformative. Believe me, I've worn plenty during my career. So getting the right balance is crucial. The cleat needs to feel good on your foot, but also feel good connecting with the ball. The New Balance Furon 7 Plus is built with both of those points in mind, offering overall comfort and precise striking in the game's fastest moments. Because, as I learned the hard way, because I didn't possess much of it, speed matters in soccer. That's why the Furon 7 Plus is built for accuracy and precision at rapid pace and is engineered specifically for use on firm ground. Why is this the ideal cleat, I hear you ask? Well, not to get too scientific, but the Furon 7 Plus offers a lightweight yet supportive hypo-knit with mesh lining upper construction and is paired with offset lacing for a truer strike of the ball, which is a long way of me saying that your game will immediately get better when these are on your feet. Learn more and purchase the Furon at NewBalance.com. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Everyone and welcome to Nate Jaquas' favorite podcast in soccer. We trust. I'm Jimmy Trash Can Cream Cheese, Connor Dino Comet, also known as Jim, alongside Hollywood Heartbreak Kid Heath Pierce, and not Charlie Chuck Wagon Davies because he's a no show. And like always, we have a great show for you today because we're previewing the U.S. Men's National Team's last game of their group against Trinidad. We're looking at the Gold Cup overall, and we have some big U.S. Men's National Team transfers to discuss. So this is going to be fun. But first and foremost, Heath. How was holding it down by yourself last night? Did our board of trustees, our new potential nickname for our amazing community, did they treat you okay? They they did. Yeah, I think uh, it's always a hard one to recap in general when you have those types of blowout games because there's just it's the it's the world's biggest gap, Jimmy, for for like landing on yes, either like, side of the extreme sure, argument, sure, sure. right? Which is like, oh yeah, of course, like you know let's see Ferreira do it against somebody good. And then on the flip side, it's kind of like, well, you know, like, you know, Greg would have put out a double pivot uh, defensively in this one against St. Kitts and Nevis. It's like, it's, it's, it's grounds for, uh, for, for um, let's say arguments that don't have a foundation. And it's hard to like argue a point, but everybody was, was, was pretty, pretty vibey in there. I thought it was a pretty good, pretty good, you know, quick little run last night. Okay. Well, I'm glad you did that. And uh, shout out to everybody that joined you. And uh, for those that didn't, I haven't had my two cents on this particular game. 6-0 in favor of the U.S. I think that's a result that we should put out against a team of the size and quality of St. Kitts. I think it should have been more. There was a great quote from Brian Reynolds, who, who's actually, I love this, this mentality. He said this after the game. I think it was important that we got a goal early and a lot of goals early. But with our quality, I think we could have scored 10 goals uh, he scored his first for his career. Good for him. And it was a good one. Well taken. On his he, birthday. Also, he also said, yeah, happy birthday to him. It's good that we won, but we always want to see things that we can improve upon. And I like that last line a lot because it shows a growth mindset. And and he should, obviously. We, we should be trying to, to stomp on teams and take care of business. I will say we've talked about this ad nauseum in the past, but when you play these, these teams, you could also put out a performance – 
that if you can't play well against St. Kitts, how are we going to trust you against the big teams, you know, the Mexicos in our region or or any other of the big countries around the world? And, and it, there seemed to be, and from when I got to watch the game uh, a little bit later, you know, Zendejas I thought was trying a little bit too hard, obviously doing the work, and it's not an energy thing. It's just more of a little bit of a quality thing. Cade Calme didn't have his best performance. Um, but I, overall, I thought everybody was pretty solid and did the job that we expected them to do. And I'm sure you mentioned this because you said it in the preview. We needed a professional performance and we got a professional performance. And now we have a nice little cushion to try to win the group. Jamaica, I actually thought they looked fantastic against Trinidad. They did give up a goal. They won four to one. We can talk about them. Maybe you did last night. But they, they, Barry Gray is so good. That guy is so good. Yeah. And uh, I think that he is a piece of that puzzle that they needed to fit in a little bit more. And, and as you can see here with the standings, if you're watching on the YouTubes, we're tied on points with Jamaica. Jamaica is going to have a shot at the St. Kitts team. They could put 10 up against these guys. And if they end, and we end up beating Trinidad, like I expect us to, because the last two times that we've played them uh, after getting knocked out by out of the World Cup qualifying in 2017, we've outscored them 13 to zero. So, so I, I fully expect us to get the results, but that goal difference could get a little tricky. So, because they get they have a lot of gaps uh, in their team and their team shape, so I don't expect Trinidad to to cause us too many problems. We can get into that a little bit more, but but yeah, I thought Jamaica was excellent. If they go on to win the group, then obviously it gets a little trickier for us in our path to the final. Yeah, uh, I mean, by by the way, having said that, Jimmy, we played Mexico in a semifinal of the Nations League, right? Uh, obviously, a completely different team, and it was less than ideal because you want that to be the big, you know, uh, the big big final, uh, but at the same time. Mexico's Mexico and potentially this U.S. team maybe aren't a finalist, right? Uh, in terms of like out and out favorites, like maybe the final right now in CONCACAF shouldn't be U.S. versus Mexico. Obviously, it should be the U.S. based on the results we've had in tournaments. Um, but could that be Canada? Could that be Jamaica? I think that's a different conversation right now. And, and by the way, Jamaica, they pressed so high up. Like if, I, if I'm the U.S. right now and I'm thinking about how do we play against uh, Trinidad? Trinidad... And, and I said this last night on the pod, Jimmy, if you remember like Jamaica and I mean, not Jamaica, Japan and Saudi Arabia, where we just decided we're going to just keep on trying to do the same thing that's not working over and over again, instead of saying, well, we can get back to this in five minutes, but let's at least earn the space on the field and maybe lump a few long or maybe get into the channels or stretch these teams a little bit so that we can earn the space underneath to try to play through. Uh, when I watched Trinidad, they were doing the same thing. They were convinced that they were going to play through everything every single time. And Jamaica right. said from the very start, we're going to press with six or seven. We're going to collapse on them. We're going to, and then every time we lose the ball, we're going to press immediately as well. Just the two parts of the modern game that I think are really interesting. And they did it so, so well that it, it really put them under pressure from the U S and I'm looking to get that early goal, which we've obviously seen in nation's league and, and gold cup and any other time that we want to give ourselves a nice little break. Uh, it, that early goal is, is so uh, unbelievably important. So I'm, I'd be looking at it like that of putting on, putting your players on the field that if I'm BJ Callahan, putting your players on the field that are willing to do the work in transitional moments, as well in high, high pressing moments to just create that chaos because Trinidad didn't accept what the game gave them. And they fell apart trying to like stick to that same game plan of playing through mm -hmm, and Jamaica mm -hmm, picked mm -hmm. it off over and over again until like, it was pretty much like you could sort of predict how every play was going to play out. By the way, Jimmy, are you getting a join the chat thing on your... I, I guess we can log into YouTube now in the comments. 
um, and join the chat live on the show when we can participate in the chat. I don't know if you I, know, I, I, you know, Chuck's going to do it. Um, Chuck will I, definitely but, do it. Yeah. Cause he's going to, while, while you and I are going on these yeah. long, uh, soliloquies, he's going to, he's going to get in there, uh, as he does. I, I'm actually sad that Chuck isn't here cause he can't get triggered. And now it falls to you, either you and I and, and the trustees to try to mm -hmm. see if they can trip us up a little bit. Now throwing it back to the U S now that we have two games under our belt, I'm kind of curious where the conversation goes because I was a bit surprised that BJ didn't go. I know he listens to the podcast. I, I know I, he has to. Um, he does it but twice like, a day. Twice a day. He, I, yeah, he, he, he goes wakes over up twice. to it, and and then <laughs> and then later on in the day, he in a different mood when he's had his coffee. You know, the coffee that him and I usually share together. <laughs> he ha he he looks at it from a different perspective. You know, after taking some consultation from the team, he goes, "Guys, I want you to he, give a listen and give me some feedback of the podcast. Should we do this or not?" You know, he he wants our validation. That that's exactly <laughs> what he wants. BJ, we you know, accept he, you. Stop listening to you. the podcast, man. Okay, you're great. Well, no, actually, I think I think we give give him good information and things to consider. Well, I, I feel like at this point, we're an extension of the coaching staff. So so keeping that in mind, I was a little disappointed not to see Ferreira and Vasquez starting this game. Ultimately, he was pretty close to the, to the starting lineup that we came with, so I was excited about that. But I think that needs to, or at least I'd like to see it get tried against Trinidad. I, the only issue is with Ferreira scoring a hat trick, and fair play to him, I think he's the youngest or the first player to or the fastest player to ever hit double digits and goals. I think he had 11 goals in 20 games right now. And I know that, yes, there's going to be a lot of Ferrer haters mm -hmm. about the opponents that he scored against, but you can only play the team that's in front of you. Yeah. And yes, we'd love, love to have him. Let's acknowledge the Netherlands let, Let's the definitely acknowledge though, Jimmy, that it's four against Granada and three against St. Kitts and Nevis. That's true. Um, Fair. Yeah, we uh, have to, but, but, but I, I said it last night, like it, it is hard to score. Right. And like, like, um, um, who was it that uh, that uh, Chris, uh, not Chris Richards, but um, Brian Reynolds made the comment about, yeah, we could have put up 10. You and I both know. I I, I played in one that's still the record to today uh, or or tied for the record of 8-0 against uh, Barbados. And yeah, how do you feel not about yourself, Heath? How do you feel about yourself? Well, <laughs> my, my whole point is, is like we could have scored 20, right? And you you get that. And and some of my criticisms of players last night were about this idea that you think you're going to get 20. So, like, there was a lack of – even from Mihailovic, I thought had a good game. But there was a lack of sharpness and killer instinct. Like, one time he got in behind the back line and could have just scored easily. And he went for too a little casual. clip that went wide. It was too casual, right? Because you know, like, it's that idea where you're like, okay, it's going to be a nice, smooth game. We got the early goals. Like, we're pulling them apart. But for me to see a player go from this squad to the A team, I want that locked in – dialed in like eye on the bullseye like ruthlessness in situations like that that you get a chance you get a goal you get a chance you get a yeah, goal right, right, and right. not like this whole like ah it's not that big of a deal we'll get another one type of thing and I felt that at times there was like a lack of that from Zendejas from Cowell from from Mihailovic that we could have scored uh even more and that was a lack of focus versus a lack of like just finishing chances okay so let's talk about what what would you do against Trinidad then I mean one the thing that we learned for sure is we don't can't play a double pivot. Just can't happen. We're we're just not as good of a team. It, it it I used to have this criticism of Bob Bradley. Even when I when I when I was being coached by him, I was on the team and in games that I didn't start. And I probably have shared this story before, but I would go in at halftime because I wanted to hear what he was saying to the group and how any kind of tactical changes he was making from what he said at the beginning and what he didn't have to, I was learning. I'm a student of the game, right? You already, Wait, we you, already know I'm a stock. I'm a soccer said, nerd. We got that. You, we got you that said you would go in at halftime. 
I'd go, you know how when you don't play, you kind of just yeah. go out and just dick around at halftime on the yeah. field and suck. Cause yeah. like, there's nothing chase, he's chase, saying chase that, the, that chase doesn't the matter. Chase the sprinklers. Yeah, <laughs> chase the sprinklers around, you know, waving to the crowd, you know, getting your, yeah. getting your couple minutes do your, in. do your tricks near the sideline. So you get a couple oohs and ahs to build your confidence. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Not starting, I didn't have, but, I didn't have yeah. any tricks in my bag, but uh, you know, I had a big smile for anybody that was heckling me uh, yeah. with some, some choice words, but, but, I would always go in and I, I and, and more often than not, as I aged, I would see something that happened in the game and I would go talk to that particular player. Hey, you know, you got, they're overloading this side. You might not want to commit into this space. I just give them little, little nuggets of information, almost like an assistant coach. And, and, and I prided myself on that. It, made, it kept me engaged, right? I, I was, I felt more of a participant in what was happening instead of feeling sorry for myself that I wasn't playing or whatever. So that, that helped me. But I remember thinking when Bob would talk to us before a game, he, he would remember they called it the empty bucket, right? Mm-hmm. And we would play with kind of two high. We'd play a 4 4 2. We'd have the, the outside midfielders would play high, and then we'd have kind of a flat two in front of the back or back four, the two center backs. And, and it worked a lot, you know, mm-hmm. but it just, it always felt like we were set up to that the Count, other team counteract they, the other team. Yeah, the yeah, other team yeah. was always better than us. Yeah. And, 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 and I hated that. Because I came, I I always appreciated that about Bruce Arena, and you can still see it in the teams he coaches now with the New England Revolution. He gives you that sense of confidence, like we're better than that other team. We 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 can play with anybody. We're good enough to play with anybody. And and I love that about Bruce and how he instilled that into into the team overall, collectively and individually. But with Bob, and and I appreciated Bob's pragmatism. I, I think there's a lot of that, and and I'm still bummed for him for getting fired at Toronto. He's done a lot for the game in this country, and so for it to end that way, nobody gets to happy ending. We already talked about that. Yeah. But but I just felt like, and now when we go into a double six, I'll bring it back to what I'm talking about now. When we play a, a double six a double pivot in front of our, it just, it just feels the same way that we're almost giving too much respect to the other team. And that's what I like BJ for the nation's league. He's like, you know what? We're going to put geo centrally. We are going to attack these guys. We are going to bring in a, a normal six to, to play for Tyler Adams. We are going to have Moose and McKinney and we're just going to roll with it and see what happens. And the guys responded. And then it's hard to really take too much from the St. Kitts game because we're so lopsided in terms of quality and, and, and talents and all that. And it was just a matter of time. since we got that first goal for St. Kitts to really pressure us. But against Trinidad, I think we're going to be challenged a little bit more. I don't think we're going to see a double pivot, but but I don't want to see it ever again. I just don't think we're built that way. And I think our yeah. guys want to have freedom to play and not have handcuffs on that. I think the double, si- uh, double sticks puts on I, us. It puts on us. I, th- I do think that I do think that there are opponents that are greater than us and better than us that we should probably have the variable in place to be able to shift to that um, if we're struggling, right? Or if you're then playing, give me a flexible, versus, then give me a flexible yeah. eight that goes box to well, box that has a little well, discipline. This is actually what I, what I can do it. This is actually really why I really liked, you know, I was critical of Busio being a starter in that one, because I, I just thought, again, I would have liked to have seen Ferreira there with Mihailovic uh, with Vasquez up top, but Busio's timing off of Ferreira's runs were unbelievable. Right. And that's what led to uh, the, the, the early goals, just his, his understanding of time and space and rhythm, I liked that. Now, he's at eight, right? He's not like a – we're not talking about like a double ten. You do need an eight, but I also feel like Mihailovic is not a ten. So they're kind of like double eights. And his timing um, of, of, of being able to get the ball underneath is one thing, but his ability to get the ball in behind the back line and, also, and stretch the team, uh, the opponent, once in a while, I think is so important. Uh, when you have those players in there, otherwise you're just clogging space and denying entry balls into your striker, right? But his ability to when hey, Ferreira was coming off the front line, 
to then occupy that space to go into that. One, he got the ball into good spots because it, it forced those defenders to make decisions. They make the wrong one. You go with the player that's open, those mm-hmm, overloads. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But it also just created that early connectivity with the striker in the midfield line that I think we struggled with. And obviously, we haven't played with that that sort of two attacking-minded players in that position. But I also think it's a willingness and a buy-in from those players to know that how are we pressing, where are the space is going to be, where's the intelligence right. of that, right? And Busio's an intelligent right. player. Um, with that, with that regard. So I, I, I do like, I, I'm, I was sad that he only got 45. I don't know if it was like planned or injury or something, but like that connectivity, you don't need it to be tens in those spots, right? That can be two way eights that know that, okay, we're catching this wave of defense. We got to be able to drop a line deeper and you got to do that sort of six between a six and an eight type of work defensively and sit in front of that back line. Okay. The only reason I bring that up and to give some context for everybody is because I want us to right now talk about the game against Trinidad. Obviously, we need to score as many goals as possible because we know that we're going to go up against uh, Jamaica, who's going to score a bunch against St. Kitts, and they should have scored a bunch more against Trinidad. We currently have, I think, three more goal difference than them, so we just have to match, essentially, and and we have a plus three in our favor, uh, whatever Jamaica does against St. Kitts. I don't think it's going to be that easy against Trinidad. I think that they're going to figure out ways to be difficult, like they always do every time we play them. But they're out of the tournament. Like us and Jamaica are going through, and what was it? I mean, like, what was the well, I guess mathematically they're not out of it. They can yeah. beat us, but but yeah. it's I don't. They see won them three. What, us. They won three zero, right, against uh, St. Kitts. They won three zero against St. Kitts. Yeah. Yes, that's correct. Yeah. And so I don't see them beating us, but I feel like they could hold us to a number. Now we're going to go into second. So ultimately, I want to talk about the starting lineup. Like, what do you want to see in our starting lineup against Trinidad Heath Pierce? Oh, I, like merging, merging, I, I, merging the two lineups together, I assume, in some yeah. capacity, right? I'm going same. I'm going same back four. Um, I like uh, Brian Reynolds at right back. Even if Brian Reynolds was didn't score, and in a game like that where it's really hard to judge because I, I said it yesterday, like I, when you're a fullback in a game like that, it's a dream scenario because you don't have to play any defense. So you could just stay up and, yeah, and, right, and attack right. the whole time, and it's hard to have a bad game. Um uh, or or not show up in would that you, position because you're always facing the facing the game the, the, in, in the right positions. But I would keep them there, and I also just think I don't need I don't need to see um, DeAndre Yedlin anymore. I just don't like I, I I he's been so incredible and so important for this national team for so long. I don't know why I need to see him in a Gold Cup or why he is on the margins better than a Brian Reynolds at this point. Right. So just keep him there. Uh, well, keep my back for yeah. He shouldn't be on the roster. I mean, we yeah. should be graduating from those guys with all due respect to DeAndre. I, I, I don't love, mind love the service. I, so many caps, two World Cups. Yeah, I don't mind. So much I don't mind amazing, having experience in the roster because you don't. Sure, you do know that you need that, and I've heard he's really good as uh, within the locker room of, of the guys. So I think that's a really important factor of having him in there and him understanding his role and and, and nurturing the the next generation. But, but yes, of guys, which is why we took nineteen right backs to the to the to the World <laughs> Cup um, because it was a more of a mentorship trip uh, for the right backs than it was uh, for the rest of the players on the field. But I keep the same back line, Jimmy. I'm going to go um, again. Would I like you wait, James wait, wait? Scott. If Miles Robinson's healthy, would you consider rolling him out at this point to get ninety minutes or forty five mm-hmm. or? No, maybe I'm talking a final thirty for him, depending on the c- circumstances. Okay, okay. You know okay. what you're going to get from him, but if you can get yourself four more days, why not take those extra? Yeah, yeah. No, it's kind of like that. get sure. back to full health, and then one more week is sort of the always the magic sauce of like, do you feel great? Yeah. Okay, one more week, and okay. we can uh, work you. All right, that. I agree with you on the back four. I, I want to go with James. I, I want to see James Sands in there again. He looked comfortable on the ball. It looked a little bit more like classic James Sands. Obviously, again, take it all into account that we weren't under pressure at all. He was facing the game. Mostly got the ball in good spots. Do you? I, 
I thought Aiden Morris was solid to- when he came in uh, yeah. late in the game, especially more so as an eight. You know, a little bit more in the attack of being able to service the ball. Everybody was an eight in that game, uh, to be honest with you, because, again, the circumstances. But let's go James Sands. I'm going to go with Mihailovic, and I want to see yes. Jesus Ferreira for the first half uh, in that mix. Within that okay, mix, so, and it's so, hard so because the- Busio didn't play himself out, by the way. It's just I want to see that because I want to see Vasquez. If that doesn't work, take out Vasquez at halftime, move Ferreira back up top, and put in Busio into the midfield. It's sort of my my thinking. Not halftime, but say, you know, maybe halftime. I don't know. Okay, so you go with Ferreira, Mihailovic, and Sands. I'm I'm, yeah. I'm I'm on board with that. Um, unfortunate for Busio, but I think that there's a huge pocket of space. The Jamaica Trinidad game, um, for the for the large swaths of the game that I saw, there's a lot of lot, lot of gaps between yeah. the back line and midfield that I think that Ferreira and Busio obviously could take advantage of it too. But to have Ferreira, Mihailovic, kind of finding those areas with Vasquez ahead of them. Gets me pretty excited, and I wonder how that would impact also the wingers because Zendejas and Cal didn't come off looking too great against St. Kitts, and and so would you roll, roll with those two guys again? Who, who I would, would give consider? them. I would give them both another run against Trinidad. I thought they were so both forty-five minimum. Yeah, because look, what's going to happen is you're going to get into the knockout rounds, and you need to have a clear picture if you're BJ Callahan of who can I rely upon to deliver for me, right? I know what I'm going to get from Christian Roldan. I know what I'm going to get from Jordan Morris if I put them into those two wide positions. <laughs> I know it's going to be solid. I thought Roldan brought a really good energy when he came on the field. I know what Jordan Morris is going to bring me because he's got 52 caps for the national team. Like, I know those things. And so I'm using the group stages to basically test these players to prove that you're ready for that next level. I thought, they're again, those are the two players that I struggled with the most. But I also know that I'm going to give them another game because they weren't yeah. bad. They just weren't good. And in a game against St. Kitts and Nevis, you should be good. Um, and and so give them that run. If you got to take them out and put in uh, um, those two guys, and then for the rest of the tournament, if they don't prove to you in this game against Trinidad to light to light the game up in the way that we've seen their their potential to be, that's that's where I'm drawing the line. There is like a hey, I'm going to go with the guys that I know I can trust when I get to the knockout round, rounds, com- because you two haven't proven to me that I can go to you guys uh, in these types of moments, and I and I make that change. I agree with you on that. And and I think that this would be somewhat of a nice touch from BJ to go with those guys again, to give them that encouragement and confidence that, hey, we still trust you. Because you and I have been in those positions before where you get your shot, you don't take your shot, and then you might not get another chance for a year. It could be 18 months, could be six months. I mean, there's all these different variables. And I know it's the national team, right? You got to put up or shut up. But there is something in a tournament format where you have the luxury, especially in this competition, to play... Uh, I don't want. I guess I I, I I walk myself into saying lesser opponents, but but opponents that don't maybe have the quality that you have, and so I think there would be something to be said like, hey, I'm going to give you 45 minutes. That could turn into 60 if I see something good in the first half. But but there's something about knowing that a coach has your back that gives you that little extra spark. You want to prove something to him and then validate why he's choosing you. So I like that shout a lot. Well, you didn't tell me goalkeeper, though. Do you bring in Slanina at this point? No, you turn, no. I mean, John you, Johnson, you, Turner, what are you going you, with? You, 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 you had a chance to go with Slanina. I think there is a pecking order that's natural, right? Like if you're Sean Johnson, you're like, dude, this is my fifth or sixth gold cup. And like, I've been grinding for over a <laughs> I decade. I only have one cap. Like, yeah, I have one. I have one. I think he's one got like less less than 10, 10 caps uh, in total. Um, Jimmy, I think we may have... Uh, caught a little uh feedback there i don't know if you're you're something's touching something there or, or whatever but 
um, maybe it's on, maybe it's on my end, but um, yeah, like I, I, I'm going to go with, I'm going to, I'm going to go with probably Sean Johnson again in this one, give Turner. No, actually I'm going back to Turner. You got to go with Turner because you need the goals. You need the points. You need the, you need the performance. So go with the guy that you brought in. Who's been your number one. All right. We're going to take our first break of in soccer. We trust when we come back, we'll look at the rest of the gold cup. And of course we got some big transfers to discuss. So don't go anywhere. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Welcome back, everybody, to In Soccer We Trust. I'm Jimmy Conrad alongside Heath Pierce and not Charlie Davies. And we just want to remind everybody that the Golasso Network's flagship show, Morning Footy, is now a podcast. That's right. Susanna Collins, Charlie Davies, yes, that Chuck Wagon, Nico Cantor, Alexis Guerreros, Jenny Chu, and a ton of guests, including myself every once in a while, bring you the latest news, analysis, and exclusive interviews every weekday morning. So get your morning started off on the right foot with Morning Footy, a soccer culture-driven morning show for fans of all stripes. And you can download and follow on Apple, Spotify, and wherever else you find your podcasts. Now, you know what I like about Morning Footy, Heath? What's that? Is that they do a lot of fun segments that allow you to get to know players or coaches, sporting directors, or whatever it may be, in a really fun way. Yeah. And I bring that up because something just happened recently with the Cardinals, St. Louis Cardinals, the baseball team, and Matt Turner, who went out and took batting practice. And I feel like that's a total morning footy segment. But uh, this one was uh, in line with U.S. soccer. Now, Matt Turner went out there, Heath, and yeah. was doing batting practice. And, like, like he went yard. runs. He went yard, he went yard multiple times. He, he went yard multiple times. I do want to state for the record that I did batting practice with the Kansas City Royals back in the day. And their manager came out and was throwing knuckleballs. And I sat on one and I hit the foul pole. I guess that counts as a home run, but it wasn't like, you know, run the bases around, you know, start flexing on everybody. I I mean, I barely, I hit like the base of the foul pole. So I guess it counts as a home run, but they weren't like Matt Turner's. And and so, I, by the way, Jimmy, I just associate your backdrop with whatever you're talking about. Now you're like a major White Sox fan in my in my book. You know, like we were talking a little bit national. No, I was like, okay, a little Juve, little Juve there, or like Juve actually you know, for team old, old, old school basketball referee. If we're talking about uh, you know any sort of I'm, references there, but I'm now here you're, at a Foot Locker. Here. I'm, here, <laughs> I'm here in Athens, Greece, at a Foot Locker. But but um, yeah, Matt Turner's home runs. I don't know. We I think we have some video of it. Producer Alex can throw it up for everybody that's on the YouTube. But the guy was hitting absolute bombs. And so my question for you and for everybody that's listening and if you're uh, or watching, please let us know, which former U.S. men's national team player do you think would be able to hit bombs like Matt Turner? I do think we picked the right player, Heath, to to represent us because also, the hand-eye coordination. Why is he left-handed? Why is he left-handed? Well, I, I don't know. That's a good question. But, but the hand-eye coordination of a goalkeeper obviously is going to be – a little bit better than a field player, but but I for me what jumps out I think Jay Demerit would probably be pretty good multiple sports, yeah. Uh, Carlos Bocanegra, Gucci Anyewu, uh, a whole bunch of guys that I think would be Clint Dempsey. I think would probably be pretty awesome. Well, if you, you know, can, admit, if you can get, do you think? if you can get uh, Morning Footy to just do a cross sport competition, Jimmy, I'm definitely going to finish in the near the top. We can go b- basketball, we can go some American football drills, we can go baseball. 
We can go. Um, Damn, dude. I didn't realize we're. Oh, yeah, dude. I'm going. Five minutes I'm in going. for the flex. Oh, for the flex. You go back and look at some of the stuff, man. Ooh, wee boy. I got some great highlight reels of all kinds of different sports. You know what I mean? So I'm, I'm putting myself near the top. Jimmy. Okay. And all I right, also, wow. by the way, I'm also making this proclamation. Because of the uniqueness of soccer, I would say that your best multi-sport players are going to be the soccer players because 99% of the other athletes say they played soccer and they probably did at some point, but being able to actually go and do soccer is so nuanced that I think we would over index in other sports and those other athletes would probably drop a lot of points in the category of soccer to where I think we went out in the end. Like I, I, no, I that's I fair. If we put our best, yeah, I mean, our best multi-sport guys from soccer and soccer was a category against other top athletes from other sports, we're winning that. Wait, didn't they have something? We had a we had a soccer player back in the what seventies, early eighties. Kyle wrote Junior. Was that who it was? And yeah. He would do those competitions against all the other athletes, and he'd always win. Yeah. I got to get that confirmed. We'll have producer Alex uh, looking that up for us. But I'm pretty sure. Sounds like a national driver, Jimmy. It does sound like that. <laughs> I, I I don't know if I got his name right. Now I feel bad if I if I got that wrong. But but which players from the current U.S. Men's National Team player pool do you think would be a good two eight athlete? Uh, I, yeah, we see Pulisic is good at chess. That's from Matt. I I kind of think that that uh, Brendan Aronson would be amazing at hockey. <laughs> Just like ch- chasing down the puck. Field crazy. hockey. He's like a field. Well, like, of, anything that's on a soccer hair, field like type of thing, hair. I think. I don't know. Anything that's just like running and on a soccer field type of thing, you know, Brendan Aronson looks like a lacrosse kid, you know, probably field hockey as well. <laughs> um, but but I, w- I would say it's always goalkeepers. Like Tim Howard and I used to argue about this all the time about like who was better at all these things. We used to do basketball. I've, I've shared it before, but we used to do finish training with the national team and we do basketball tip offs to see who had a more explosive jump to win a tip off. <laughs> just like a completely useless type of game. And we would just, you know, go after these things to be like, who has a higher vertical jump? Who can get off the ground quicker? But I, I definitely think the goalkeepers are just because the nature of it. Generally, a lot of them yeah, right. came into soccer later or chose soccer later because they had all these other sports going on. And then they became like, oh, yeah, you're really good at goalkeeping. This could be something for you. And they're like, nah, but like it's not as fun as shooting threes. You know, and they're like, yeah, but you're not six, nine. So this is probably, uh, you know, your, 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 your best bet. So I would say the goalkeepers. Um, Center backs. I think about. I'm trying to think about who else there there would I guess. be. Yes, give some center backs some love. Um, by the way, yeah, center backs. I think um, for sure. Um, but beyond that, I, I don't know. I, I don't think I'm going midfielder. Like I know that like there's guys now that like I know Landon's a really good tennis player. Um, uh, I know that like John Thorington's a really good tennis player. Like guys that I know that are here locally or have played with the different you know the different tennis yeah, sure, here. Sure. Um, but. If we're talking about like multiple, multiple sports that require a number of different like skill sets, I don't know, man. I got to go with center backs and goalkeepers or defenders and goalkeepers. I'll call it that because I'm not taking myself out of any category. I will go to St. Louis right now and slug one, (laughs) you know, ding one, you know, way out of there where they just everybody turns their head and just nods like they were with Matt Turner. By the way, they were all it's one of those things that look like a little CGI, you know, little editing tricks where it's like ball gets hit and then they see it over the fence. But those guys, when you see the players, they're like, oh, my gosh, dude, this guy can actually hit. I, I uh, Can I say that Busio looks like he'd be like a top skateboarder? I don't know why I feel that yeah. way about him. Yeah. He'd just be a yeah. sick skateboarder. Or, or, or like I could see Timo Wea being sick at ping pong. You know, like I want them to have these weird arbitrary sports that uh, I don't know. I, I've 
I think a lot of our guys would kick ass. And then, and then obviously we have, we have Ocho Cinco who, who is a friend of ours and the nuance of the game to your point, like uh, Chad, Chad Ocho Cinco Johnson, world-class athlete. But when it comes to playing the game to what you said before, very difficult to, to like translate some of that of his ability, his world-class ability into being successful at, at this particular sport. So whereas, whereas I think we're sitting here saying that because of the base athleticism that we have that that's required to play at a high level of this sport that lends itself to being more successful yeah. at all the other Kate, sports. Cade Cowell, Cade Cowell would have been a, 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 at least a, a high D one, uh, American football player as a, as a running back or, or even a linebacker. That's, that's his type of building. He was actually a phenomenal, like comes from my, my area, phenomenal athlete as a sprinter too. He's a sub 11 hundred meter, maybe a mid tens hundred meter sprinter. So he, he's like, He's got that that sort of build too that like you know running could run through brick walls type of type of build. Um, I'm happy he's playing the game, but yeah, I think everybody you could go through. and We should do it sometime, Jimmy. You could go through everyone and give them a second sport that I think you'd naturally yeah. fit them into based on their attributes. But then there's the ones that are like the all around. You know, who's our Bo Jackson? You know, who's 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 our like multi sport athlete? The kind of guys that Eddie Johnson was one that I, I I've told the story before. We're like unbelievable oh, we, used to, we used to do we used Unreal. to run we used to run routes when we were in residency together and, and do football stuff i watched him go into the gym without ever working out and pump 225 pounds as a 15 year old on on the bench press like you know when everybody was like dude look at this guy is yoked over there and 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 eddie was like nah no worries and started just repping out 225s when we were all like you know if you could put 245s on the bars you were you were killing it back then he was putting double 45s and just smashing it so he was one that like yeah eddie, ej's a great shout not just athleticism, explosive, like all the attributes that he had, but just all the other things that came with that development. He could have he could have literally done done any sport as well and been close to a pro, if not a pro. Okay, I just want to circle back to Kyle Rudd Jr. This guy is an absolute beast. Okay, he earned five caps of the U.S. between seventy three and seventy five. He led the N- NASL in scoring in nineteen seventy three. He's a member of the National Soccer Hall of Fame, and he won the this this show called um superstars it's made for television competition where you go up against all the other best athletes and he i think he's the only person that's won it three times no there's another guy that's won it more than that but we're talking herschel walker was in there uh willie galt for all you old schoolers out there and and this dude won it and he was setting the tone i mean he was like the first u.s soccer superstar you know outside of that 1950 team but but you know the that people knew he's like a household name because superstars was such a big deal. I guess it features the 10 top athletes from 10 different sports competing in events that were not their own. And, uh, he crushed it, dude. So shout out to Kyle Rowe jr. Who won the show three times. That's what an absolute animal. So, so I just, that kind of just speaks to what we're trying to say is that <laughs> the skill set for soccer players definitely yeah. translates. Well, there, Jimmy, there's a new, uh, documentary on the American gladiators on, on, on Netflix that just came out. And I'm just curious, you know, I'm thinking more Jade Merit types would be our best American gladiators to win against the American <laughs> gladiators. That's a whole nother conversation of sport. Um, but man, uh, thinking through that lens of who would have done the best in, in that, in that competition, that's, I'm not really sure who, who it would be, but um, it'd be pretty funny. I'd also yeah, love to see our entire national team dressed in the, like the full on spandex outfit or the there next is something, Cup, you know, there is something. I, I hope that some of that gets. I hope Superstars comes back in some capacity because I think it would be cool for one of our top athletes to compete against some of the other guys, if only to continue to gain respect with uh, the casual fans in the sport. 
Uh, all right, let's talk a little bit more Gold Cup. Let's recap what's been happening. Uh, we'll talk Canada's 2-2 draw with Guadalupe here in a second, but uh, some big fixtures coming up. Uh, today, Qatar takes on Honduras. Both of those teams lost, so a big one for them. Haiti and Mexico face off. They both won, so it'll be interesting to see how Mexico comes off of that 4-0 win and if they can turn into something special against a Haitian team that's always dangerous. And you have Martinique, who will be taking on Panama tomorrow. El Salvador will be taking on Costa Rica. And then on Saturday, you got Cuba taking on Guadalupe and uh, Guatemala taking on Canada. I want to talk about Canada a little bit. Uh, I saw... The results, I saw most of the highlights. I tried to catch as much of the game as I possibly could. And they were in charge. I mean, they they basically blew the lead at the end on an own goal off of a set piece, and they just needed to sharpen up there. But I thought Guadalupe was excellent. They created a ton of chances. I think the draw was a fair result, Heath. Yeah. But John Herdman came out, and as John Herdman does, he's got a lot to say, so you got to respect that. But um, this is what he said after the game. People will just hear a name like Guadeloupe, but don't realize that it's all French nationals that play in the French League or the Belgian League. It's a different kettle of fish. Valuation-wise, Guadeloupe is almost equal in value to Canada on the pitch tonight. That's fact. The fact is, the only top five league player in Europe played on Guadeloupe's team tonight. And so, yeah, I mean, I, he's not wrong, but I think that's funny it that they're like playing in Toronto. It yeah. sounds like a lot of excuses there. <laughs> yeah. Hey, by the way, yeah, did yeah. you know... Also, a total of five players made their debut for the Canadian men's national team. Three as starters and two coming off the bench. And I think uh, Ali Ahmed was probably the best of the group. Just a ton of personality on the ball. And, and uh, I'm excited to see. I, I could see him breaking into the first team. So keep your eye on him in particular. But this is four, four goals that Canada's given up in their last two games. Not a good look for John Herdman. They definitely pride themselves on being good defensively. You think they get through their group, win their group, no problem here? What's 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 your take? I, I think they get through their group. I'm not sure if they 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 win their group. Um, that's all going to be on I think Guadeloupe and and also what what Guatemala end up doing within all that. We know that um, there is some unpredictability in Guatemala, and they do have some quality uh, that can, they can make you they can make you suffer if they get into a good rhythm. So I I, I think um. It does sound like excuses. I don't deny the fact, but like you also don't get to be in a two-one lead and then and then like not close it out and then call it like, oh yeah, like let's not forget these types of like facts, right? Like this is the Canada who were the best in Concacaf, the kings of Concacaf, the like you know the the yeah. dominant ones, the new wave of like you know whatever it is, and they've still got a lot of players. Like John Hurden decided to rotate that squad. He decided to put out uh, a bunch of new cat players don't blame him for that he took that he, that was a choice that he made um but perhaps he underestimated them as well in terms of like not rolling out his best 11 to go and get a result in that one so uh that's that's well, my take but i don't blame him for changing players because i i love going into tournaments and using new players to see who your next gen totally uh, well, of, that's, of the players that's, are gonna be we we wanted a little bit more of that i think with our roster and i think i'm speaking for <laughs> everybody yeah. in some capacity what's interesting though is if we get end up getting runner up in our group we're going to play the winner of group d so we could end up playing Canada in the quarterfinals, which is pretty wild. But Guatemala currently on three points in Group D, Guadeloupe on one, Canada on one, Cuba on zero. Cuba has lost a couple of players already. Um, four, I think. I think. Four players, yeah. four have defected. Yeah. Only one of those four actually played, uh, started for Cuba in their game uh, mm -hmm. against Guatemala, 1-0 loss, and the other three did not. But they are now full, with four less players. So we'll see how that impacts them. I mean, every every Gold Cup. There's a few. When I played, I remember 2005, my first Gold Cup, uh, Ozzy Alonso was on the Cuban team, and he ended up defecting. Um, 
and obviously yeah. turned that into a wildly successful career. And, and uh, what a player Ozzy Alonso is. But uh, yeah, I mean, based on all the other games that I mentioned, Heath, is there any anything that stands out for you that you're looking forward to seeing here for match day two and the other groups? No, it is a, to, to me. It is about you know the the, the teams that I'm t- thinking of is uh, are is Guadalupe and it is Jamaica in terms of you know these two teams could be the ones we saw that who was it Curacao in the last Gold Cup in terms yeah, of their yeah, their yeah. progress and they've really struggled to have even get anywhere close to that type of form since then as a national team and so you know for Guadalupe I think we're seeing a number of players and a number of national teams now going this route again recognizing that we're talking about an ex. A, an expanded world cup. Can we, can we do it? You know, and, and it's going to start here in the gold cup of like starting to get those rhythm and those reps, like Jamaica are going to make the next world cup. Like, unless there's some sort of wild yes. type of qualifying. Agreed. Agreed. Um, you know, having said that, like Jamaican players are going to still have to go to Costa Rica, Panama, Guatemala, you know, these, these Honduras and, and, and get results. And that is an extreme challenge. It's not that easy. We have a better team than Jamaica in terms of our a team. And we will forever struggle in very difficult environments like that. So I don't want to say it's that easy, but net net, if they can learn to become really good at home, I think we're going to see Jamaica in the next World Cup. But yeah, Guadalupe no, I, are interesting. I agree with you 100% of that. Guadalupe is going to be playing against Cuba. As we mentioned, they're down a few players. I think Guadalupe is going to have the quality to get past Cuba. That would put them on four points. And if we end up getting second, we could face them in the quarterfinals and uh, that just makes our road a little bit more difficult. But honestly, that's what I want. I want us to play against the best teams that we possibly can against the best players. That's how we're going to learn as much about this player pool and who's on this roster as possible. All right, we're going to take our second and last break of In Soccer We Trust. When we come back, we've got some transfer news to discuss, including the room I'm sitting in. I've got a Juventus room. For people who can't see it, I've got black and white behind me. And it was just for Timo Weah because he made his official transfer to the Italian Giants in Turin. Juventus. We'll talk about that and much more. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back to In Soccer We Trust. I'm Jimmy Conrad alongside Heath Pearson, not Charlie Davies. We're excited to hang out with the Trust Fund, the trustees on board of this wonderful show. We love our community, so thank you so much for your support. No matter where you consume it, whether it's on the YouTubes or on your favorite podcast platform, whatever it may be, but uh, keep those likes and subscribes and five-star ratings coming. I almost said four, but don't do fours. Fives only. And uh, again, we're excited to have you guys with us. Listen, U.S. Men's National Team, big summer. We talked about it leading up to the summer. We're here in the summer. Now things are happening, Heath. And we've got a big one. Timo Weah is going to Juventus. And that, I think, signals the end of Juan Cuadrado, John Square. 35-year-old, looks like he's going to be letting go. He's, he's going to be a free transfer. They're, they're saying maybe Lazio, maybe... Uh, uh, other teams in Serie A for the 35-year-old. I could see him going to Saudi Arabia because they're seeming to get everybody these days. He'd probably make a nice payday there the latter stages of his career. But let's talk about Timo Weah. He's 23 years old, and it seems like under Maxi Allegri, they're seeing him in that Juan Cuadrado role, which is why I bring up mm-hmm. Mr. John Squared and how he got forward, how he joined the attack. And obviously, with his experience playing with Leo, where he was being asked to play left back and right back and a right wing back and right wing. Wasn't it? And I, wasn't it? And when we see him with the U.S., like the guy is capable and it's very <laughs> exciting. I think this is a tremendous move for his career. I'm not the biggest Maxi Allegri fan. I think sometimes he's a little conservative with his tactics, but I don't know if that's going to impact Timo Weah. If it was somewhere else in, in the, in the, maybe in the middle of the field with Weston McKinney, we'll see what his future lies with the, with the old lady. But but with Team Away, I think I'm feeling good things, and I like this move. How do you feel? Yeah, I mean, I think it was Chuck that said he had talked to Timo at the uh, Nations League, and he, and he had mentioned, like, 
wanting to be uh you know he was going to move on from Lille and wanting to be a wing back and I remember him saying that I was thinking like well that's a bit specific because that is a system based <laughs> position yeah true. where like if you're not in that system you're not playing uh because that is a specialty type of skill and we've seen a lot of players be really good at it. not to say you couldn't be a winger or a fullback in the end but that kind of higher starting position with three players in between that's a that's a Juventus like likely a Juventus like you said Juan Cuadrado was really good at that as he went from a winger to a more of a wing back later on in his career um I think that could be a really great position for him it's just that you need a coach that's going to stick to that that type of system but again that starting position and his ability to be on two sides of the ball and be you know uh additive going forward or leading going forward but also being a defensive presence I think it could be great and 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 when you think about that through the lens obviously he's probably speaking about the opportunity at hand and knew about that versus like just being like I'm a wing back only now um but yeah I think it could be a great one for him because perhaps that is where he sees his future and if he sees his future there and the club is going to play in that type of system that could be a win-win versus it being like you know a winger in a system where maybe you're playing a 4-2-3-1 or a 4-3-3 or different sets of systems where maybe they go with one of three winger options, depending on like, are you trying to have your wingers high and wide or are you trying to have inverted wingers because you have a left footer that's going to come inside on the right side. This could be his position because it is an out and out right footed and right footed position. So great. I like it. If it happens now, now, now producer Alex is yelling at us in the chat saying it's not official yet. Listen, come on, dude. It's official. He was there. We have video of him. Maybe oh yeah, he's got to pass a medical or whatever. But come on, producer, I'll get off my by back. Way, dude. By the way, I I I I I tweeted this yesterday, um, saying it was great to see that you know Juventus, as you see here, uh, going the extra step to make sure that they had an American-made car and that it's a Jeep, um, uh, pick him up to make him feel at home. And then all the people who just don't get the irony of it were like, "It's a club sponsor, dude. They pick up everybody in that." And I'm like, "No, I get it. <laughs> I get it, guys. Like, I didn't actually think they were like." Hey, uh, you know, uh, what's a, what's something we can do to make the American feel more uh, at home? Like we're thinking, like taking the extra step. Oh, let's get an American car to pick him up. Like, no, I'm, <laughs> I'm well aware how sponsorships work. And that uh, Jeep uh, definitely paid a lot of money sure, to make he, sure that all player whatever. pickups are getting picked mm -hmm. up in their car because, hey, hey, marketing, you know? Listen, I don't, I don't believe you. I think you're just uh, filling in that gap right now. I don't own a Jeep. <laughs> just don't, I'm not endorsing them um, in any way, shape or form. Well, let's keep it in, in Italy and Juve in, in particular. Weston McKinney is being linked to Roma. And I found that one to be a little interesting. Obviously, Roma is coached by Jose Mourinho, who reportedly just turned down $30 million a year to coach in Saudi Arabia to stay with Roma to see out the project or his vision for the club. Crazy. And apparently that might include Weston McKinney. I, I, let's leave Roma out. I, I, let's talk just about being coached by Jose Mourinho and how impactful that could potentially be for Weston McKinney. Do you like that move? It doesn't seem like he's going to fit with Rabio obviously staying now at Juve and signing another year deal with uh, with Juve. It just feels like that's another sign that maybe Weston McKinney is going to be surplus goods. Obviously, they loaned him out to Leeds, so they're already feeling that way. But do you like the move to potentially play for Jose Mourinho for Weston? I think Weston will learn a lot as a professional from Jose Mourinho in terms of the demands and the expectations. And I think he actually thrives in an environment where there's a, a, a lot of structure um, for him. And, 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 and going through all that, if you go back to the first year at Juventus, like <clears throat> people were like, nah, this guy coming from Schalke, he's not a Juventus type of, <laughs> that is funny. Uh, Jimmy's Roma, Roma, Roma. What a throwback that is, dude. That is classic. That is, you, you've had fans for over a I decade. I gotta do now. it. I, I, mean, I feel like I gotta do it. I'm wearing a black shirt in front of a yeah. black and white wall. So it feels kind of weird to give it that. Roma, Roma, Roma. 
but I'll do it. I'll do yeah, it. I'm not afraid to do it. Yeah, I love that, dude. What a what a classic throwback that is. Um, but but again, for Weston, I think that's a great thing for him because the, the the expectations of the club are always high, and they don't always achieve those expectations. That it's a good situation for him to be in, where it is a significant amount of pressure. He's been under pressure. Don't get me wrong. But when he came into Juventus, I think people were really like, kind of like, ah, he's not quite a Juventus quality player. And he ended up starting like 70% of the games that year and playing really well in his breakout season for, for Juventus. So I think another a new environment where he's challenged and having to be kind of locked in and tuned in every day of the week, especially with the Jose Mourinho uh, being the, uh, the, the watchful eye, I think could, could turn him. We could see a ceiling actually raise a little bit uh, from, from what I think it currently is and how I'm seeing Weston McKinney as a player. Yeah, I think it's going to be, I mean, you can always get better, right? Be a student of the game. And I think your tactical acumen grows as you get more reps and you you see more plays and you get more comfortable with that. I think there's a system there with, with under, or under Jose Mourinho that he could learn from. And I think just add to his, you know, I always, when I coach kids I say, you know, we, we want to put more tools in your tool belt, you know, and, and we want to make the game easier for you and more comfortable. And the more tools you have, the, 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 the easier that's going to be. So I think playing for a Jose Mourinho getting away from Maxi Allegri, getting away from the situation of Leeds and, and now coming into a, a situation that's well-coached, there's a vision, there's an idea, there's an identity. I saw Jacob in the chat saying that he thinks that uh, Wesson is a prototypical Jose player. I don't know if there's some emotional, either both very emotional and, and love the game and are passionate. So I could see them definitely connecting there. But I'm curious, and in, in, in if he does come, you know, how he's utilized and what the expectations and the asks are of him from Jose. So, so that would be a lot of fun. And I hope, I hope it goes down. Uh, last time I think we had an American aroma was, was Michael Bradley. So it would be nice yeah. to have a, a little, uh, Oh, Brian Reynolds, I guess was there and he had a cup of coffee before he got shipped out. But, but I think in a meaningful way, Wes McKinney would play. All right, let's keep it in Italy. Let's talk a little AC Milan because uh, they're floating around two players. They got Christian Pulisic on their radar. They got Yunus Musa on their radar. Apparently, Valencia is willing to allow Yunus to go to leave for twenty million, which I think is an absolute steal. And then you have Christian Pulisic, who what was he like seventy three million pounds or seventy three million dollars to Chelsea, and now they're valuing him at like twenty five to thirty. Mm-hmm. Uh, Milan trying to push for a little less. Chelsea obviously trying to push for a little bit more. Uh, apparently, Christian said he would get less. Per year, he would take less salary just to try to get this move facilitated and moved. And and I guess the big question overall for everybody listening is, do you think Christian would be a good fit for Serie A and, and for AC Milan in particular? I mean, for him to play on the opposite side of Rafael Leao sounds absolutely awesome. And yeah. and uh, I think playing for Stefano Pioli in particular and, and just that group of players I think would be a lot of fun. With Yunus Musa, it's interesting. I know that Tenali left to go to Newcastle, but they got Ruben Loftus-Cheek that comes in. And uh, for everybody that used to watch uh, some of my old YouTube stuff, Ruben Loftus' butt cheek is what I used to call him for my, my career mode <laughs> back in the day. Jimmy's just an but, old YouTube mode. Uh, it's all YouTube, yeah. guys. All coming all the out. YouTubers, the kick yeah. TV years out there. But um, yeah, it's just interesting. And I think if you can get both of those Americans for $45 million, I think that's a steal of a deal. Yeah, I agree. I think it'd be fantastic. Again, I think Pulisic is good at coming back deeper in the field and springing out on the counterattack and have a little more freedom to that. For me, a player of his quality and value, though, I think still needs to get into that double digits, probably both categories uh, at the end of the day over a full season. And I think in a club like that, he could be able to be really, really impactful and relied upon. Yunus Musa, I think, just has so much upside that at $20 million, um, yeah, for a team that I don't think valued him toward later on in the season, I think it's 
a lot, but I think it's it's worth it. I don't. That's a steal, dude. He's a kid still. You know, he's he's got a World Cup under his belt. He continues to get better and better. I'm looking at uh, Milan's formation last year. They played a four-two-three-one in 29 of their Serie A matches. You have Benacer in the middle of midfield. You had Tonali and Brahim Diaz were their midfield three. So, so when I think about Musa, you got Loftus Cheek coming in. I could see Benacer and Loftus Cheek on either side. Brahim Diaz. I think he went back to Real Madrid. So I guess there's some room. You could put Christian in the middle too if you wanted. You got Junior Messias, uh, Rafael Leao. Uh, you, you got obviously you got some guys that are pretty good. Uh, I like it. But, I but, like it. But but I, I like the move too, and I'm curious to see. I I bet. Well, I'm hoping both Americans make a move. Or both of those guys, but uh, I could see I could see it happening. And apparently, Pulisic has, has agreed to terms um, for his salary, but we'll see. So it should be. Yeah, this is crazy. It's gonna be a great summer, and I'm excited for a, a lot of our players. All right, let's uh, let's keep it moving though, because I think that um, we need to talk about Ricardo Pepe, your guy. the The hype train is real. He is going to PSV. Eleven million. They ended up doing it. He signed a five year deal until 2028. Uh, PSV finished second there to VC last season. Are you excited for this one, Heath Pierce? Oh yeah, you want you want me to make? Some oh, you go. You, I, I'm just I, okay. I, Check this yes, out. Check this go, out. go for it. I want it. Give me the best okay. best you got. Greg Berhalter cuts Ricardo Pepe from the World Cup team. Right. Okay. Post World Cup, Ernie Stewart says, "You know what? You left my guy off. I'm going to go on a mission to Europe. <laughs> I love this. Leave and go get a job where I can nurture this boy. This boy has potential." And it's on me now to make sure that hit that potential is realized. So I'm going to go to Europe and I'm going to go to PSV Eindhoven. I'm going to go with uh, Ruud van Nistelrooy. Okay, Ruud, you don't want to be part of this whole Ricardo Pepe train. You're not on the train. You don't want a ticket. You're out. I'm going to have somebody else come in and I'm going to coach and I'm going to manage Ricardo Pepe uh, to a big sale and a big valuation that he's competing with. Uh, Florin Balogun for a starting spot, or they're playing a tub- double striker system come 2026. I love it, Jimmy. I love it. I'm I'm not saying it's true, but uh, you know, in this uh, QSMNT era of like the uh, conspiracy <laughs> theorist, I love I, it. I, I love I'm it. gonna I'm gonna create that controversy and say that Ernie Stewart took it on his back to make sure that Ricardo Pepe doesn't go to an Augsburg again. No, I love it. I think it's gonna be a great move for him, and I'm excited to see him be surrounded by guys that are gonna give him more opportunities to showcase why he's a special player. All right, let's... Uh, t- Brendan Aronson, apparently linked to Fulham. We'll keep everybody posted on that. Serginho Des being linked to a few clubs, including the Bundesliga one, Union Berlin. And apparently, he's been linked with West Ham and Crystal Palace, potentially Besiktas as well. I'm sure that'll be uh, last on his list if he can stay in the top five league in Europe. Uh, we do need to talk about... Well, Zach Steffen apparently being linked to Leicester City, which is interesting. Uh, Matt Turner... No idea what's happening there, but uh, we got Taylor Taylor Booth being linked to Manchester United. So that, and Celta Vigo, apparently. Anthony Robinson being linked to a whole bunch of teams. City, Newcastle, Marseille, and Milan, along with, uh, well, I guess Fulham's asking for $35 million. So be kind of curious to see there. But let's talk about Fulham and Balogun, because apparently Arsenal's telling him to find a new club. And he, I think, has told them as well, I want to find a new club if I'm not going to play. <laughs> they won 40 now, plus million. That's a lot, man. That's a lot. Get it. That's a lot for a team for a player they didn't necessarily believe in or you know went to send out there. But he's got a whole bunch of teams that are interested. Crystal Palace is now showing a lot of interest. You got Inter, Inter Milan, not Inter Miami there. Uh, Marseille, Monaco, RB Leipzig. But it looks like Marseille might be the one that's kind of hot and heavy at the moment. Where would you like to see him? And everybody else listening and watching, let us know. I wouldn't mind him staying at a big club in France for now. I think staying outside of the Premier League, I think, is really important. 
it's hard, right? Because when, when you look at who he was competing with, for example, uh, for, for England national team, you have, um, what's his name, that scored 17 goals last year in the Premier League. Um, Harry Kane? Not Harry Kane, but um, <laughs> under under him in the depth chart. Um, Rashford. No, not Rashford. Go a step, a, a click deeper, like the third striker for 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 England. Oh, Ivan um, Tony. Ivan Tony, yeah. Like, well, isn't he suspended? But okay, go ahead. Doesn't yeah, matter. yeah. But like, my point <laughs> is, is that like Ivan Tony still found a lot of success not playing for one of the biggest clubs in in England. Um, but that is a really few and far. That's a really hard challenge, right? That that we've seen with 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 any guys. And so I'm sure the money and the temptation and the ability to buy him is probably highest in the Premier League. Um, but I'd love to see him just stay away from the Premier League and. He's obviously proven that he can do it in France. Uh, you put better players around him, and I, I like where that could end up for 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 him as well. Um, so yeah, I, I I guess the way I would look at it is, does he want this to be his not say final step? Does this next move is it a, another stepping stone to something bigger, or is he trying to solve that problem and get to the biggest right away? And, and I wonder how he's being, <clears throat> I don't mentored in this particular situation. I feel like. He needs that one more step before he and I think I, I think all the big clubs are monitoring it too. Okay, he did it uh, with Rance, but can he do it with Marseille? Can he do it with Monaco? Can he do it somewhere else? Um, and then I think that will attract some of the bigger clubs. But it's it's interesting times for Balogun. I'm obviously thrilled that he's part of the U.S. men's national team, and so definitely all eyes are on him yeah. and what he does this summer. All right, let's talk about hey, something the opposite. Me, real quick, yeah, before ahead. we get past that, I do want to point out for people, uh, we got a little static going on again, um, but I do want to point out for people that um, Peter Bosch is the new coach instead of uh, Rude Van Nistelrooy. Um, there was a few like him under Rude Van Nistelrooy. They had a big falling out, a.k.a. a falling out with um, our boy, um, blanking on his name now. Um, but Ernie Stewart? Ernie Stewart, yeah. But... Peter Bosch uh, coached the Ajax team that lost in the Europa League final. And when you think about players and development of players, like th- just real quick so you understand the, the trajectory of a lot of these guys that were in that team that year. Devinson Sanchez, uh, David Neres, Davy Clausen, Amin Yunus, Heiko Westerman, um, Lasse Shone, Frankie de Jong, Hazim, Hakim Ziyech, Andre Onana, Kasper Dolberg, Donny Van de Beek, uh, uh, Haka, Nuri, Matias Delict, like these were all players that were under Justin Clivert, uh, uh, Jasper Sillison. So, when you think about somebody who's worked with a lot of talent, whether young or old, like that, that is ex- like that is an, a dream scenario for Ricardo Pepe to go into, um, at the club. So, I just wanted to point that out just to like further uh, endorse that movement. Okay, no, 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 and and I'm anyways, glad we can move on from that, Jimmy. I'll never move on, well, but we can move on, yeah. No, I know because you're the number one <laughs> fan of Ricardo Pepe. Let's do the opposite, though, because FC Cincinnati blocked a transfer for Brandon Vasquez mm-hmm. to go to Bruce Munch and Gladbach, reportedly for $8 million. And I think what... And it's just not straightforward when you make an MLS transfer, right? It's not like $8 million is going to go to FC Cincinnati, if I'm not mistaken. So it's not like they can go out and they already have three other DPs. Yeah. They can't go out and sign another one. And it gets a little complicated for them. Now, Brandon went on morning footy the show that we love here on the Galasso Network. And actually, actually, he went on, and Brandon Vasquez, and he talked about wanting to play in Europe. Let's, let's roll that clip right now if you've got it, Producer Alex. I've pictured myself um, going to Europe. I've strived to go to Europe, making that jump over there. Um, that's still my goal today. And uh, obviously, I want to work towards making that 2026 World Cup roster here on, on uh, U.S. soil. That would be an incredible way to 
to make a debut at the World Cup, and and that's on an international level. Um, but on club level, yeah, I definitely uh, try to go to Europe. No, I didn't. I, sounds like a pretty good answer to me. I understand why you'd have that thirst to want to get over there, especially if you're getting interest and people are calling and inquiring about yeah. you, especially a club, bunch of Gladbach with a rich history and, and playing in the Bundesliga. Would be awesome for him and and for him to further his career. But I can understand why FC Cincinnati doesn't want to let him go because it gets a little complicated for them, especially if they're trying to win a trophy, if they're trying to tell their fans, hey, this matters to us. We want to win all the competitions that we're in. Yeah. We're obviously in the Open Cup semifinals. We have League's Cup coming up. We, we're top of the table in MLS of all the teams that are participating. We don't want to mess that up right now. And and when there's still a really good opportunity for Brandon to probably make the yeah. move in January. Yeah, but, but I just I want to make sure everybody knows that that $8 million that they would get for him doesn't necessarily go right to them. So they can't reinvest that in the same type of way that that would be traditional elsewhere. Yeah, but I would still say, uh, pay me then. You know, you can move me in January. Right, right, right. Well, he but just signed so, a new deal, right? Between, I mean, between, between, between now and did he sign a new deal just recently? I, I think he signed then a deal maybe. last year. Yeah. Okay. Um, but then, yeah, for for me, it's just like, okay, we can work this out. But in, until that, uh, until that happens, um, let's up my deal. Like, let's let's get me. Let's get. Uh, okay. Let's see what. Uh, let's see what they're. No, I'm trying to see what their his his payroll is for this year, but. Um, like I would still say, I trust you, so you trust me. Give me the money now, and then you can recoup that at the end of the year if that's what the plan is. Like there is a healthy tension that's hard for a player to overlook bigger opportunities, whether financially or otherwise. That I think there's a meet in the middle type of thing. Now, whether they have the ability to to do to do that, I'm not really sure. But yeah, I think he'll get his chance. You've just got if that's you and I both know, Jimmy. I can look at everybody within Cincinnati's. Uh, um, coaching staff and go, oh yeah, they know what's best uh, for him and they're going to do right by him. But you and I both know that we've also encountered people that we trust a lot and you're putting a lot in other people's hands that you do have to have that relationship and that trust to work through that to make sure that all parties can, uh, can, can, can benefit. No, I remember when I had a chance to go to Hanover with Steve Trundolo in the Bundesliga and it fell through at the last minute and that sucked and I was a little deflated for a little while. So I'm yeah. wondering how this impacts Brandon Vasquez and I know that you have plenty of of experiences as well that we can get into another time because we're calling it the end of the show. Our big final thought, though, is for one of our fans. His name is Judah Kehoe. He's from Madison, Wisconsin. Awesome. And he loves the show so much, he made a piano rendition of our little outgoing music that we have, and that's how we're going to end the show. So on behalf of producer Des, producer Alex, Charlie, Heath, and myself, we're going to shout out one more time to Judah Kehoe. We appreciate you because this piano rendition is absolutely awesome. And we'll see you guys soon. Enjoy the Trinidad game. We'll see you afterwards. Later.